0: Welcome to the Colonial Hills Podcast, a ministry of Colonial Hills Baptist Church. We're going to be talking this morning about finding victory over the virus, if I can get this to fire up, and I hope you have your Bible handy. We're going to be looking biblically at what God's Word says about disease. My mother passed away in 1982 of an illness that was diagnosed as lupus. The lupus that she suffered from attacked her liver. Before she was diagnosed with lupus, it was clear that something was happening. She was turning yellow. and Of course, the the thought was that she probably had hepatitis. I can remember the first time I ever had a shot that was outside of shots necessary to go to school. We lined up as a family, and all of us got shots to prevent hepatitis. And We were all told if we're going to visit with my mother, who was in the hospital at the time... Uh, we would have to wear masks. So the very first time I was ever confronted with the thought of having a shot and wearing a mask was all for the benefit of being able to visit with my mother. Of course, she was discharged from the hospital, and they got her lupus under control for quite a few years until back in 1982, God called her home. And so I can say I, I didn't need the shot. Uh, she was not contagious, and I didn't need to wear a mask, but I'm glad I did. Because it gave me opportunities to visit with one I loved. Today, we have a lot of people who are wrestling with the whole topic of wearing masks and taking vaccinations. I appreciate what Brother Adam Smalley just said about understanding third parties when we come to any consideration of the topic of virus. This morning, we're going to be talking about finding victory over the virus, knowing that we are living through a global pandemic, and knowing that most of us have never lived through such a thing before, in fact, none of us have lived through such a thing before, because I don't think there's anybody here today who was around back in 1918. We realize, of course, that our medical facilities are being inundated. We realize that global markets are still quite shaky and schools are closed and people are altering the way they're celebrating Christmas. And I think it's well for us to pause this morning during this last adult Bible fellowship and Focus on our Bible fellowship as it is impacted by a global virus. When you look in God's Word for the word plague, you'll find it often. If you look for the word disease, you will also find that often. So God has given us much to study and much to consider when it comes to plagues and disease and virus. In fact, when you research God's Word, you will come to discover that disease comes as a punishment from God. It often comes that way. The Bible tells us that the the first and only truly germ-free environment was a place called Eden. It's been a long time since mankind enjoyed the blessing of that germ-free environment. Instead, Romans chapter 8 says in verse 32 that today the whole creation groans and travails in pain. That with the fall came ramifications. (laughs) And the ramifications of the fall, of course, include diseases, difficulties, and deformities. Sin has affected every part of God's creation. So we can say in a real way, every disease, every sickness is a part of the punishment that God has levied on the world. Sometimes God's word tells us about his willingness to punish individuals with diseases. For instance, as you study God's word in 2 Chronicles chapter 23, you'll read about King Jehoshaphat. King Jehoshaphat was the king of Judah who brought the people of Judah into idolatry. And the Bible tells us that God spoke to Jehoshaphat through Elijah the prophet. In fact, God's word contains the letter that Elijah the prophet was, was commissioned to write to Jehoram. And this is what he wrote. "'Because thou hast not walked in the ways of thy father "'and hast also slain thy brethren of thy father's house,' which were better than thyself. He says, behold, with a great plague will the Lord smite thy people and thy children and thy wives and all thy goods, and thou shalt have a sickness by disease. And in Second Chronicles 21 and verse 18, the Bible says, God smote Jehoshaphat with an incurable disease. Yes, there are times in God's word when we discover that God afflicts individuals with disease because of their sin, such as the case In Numbers chapter 14, we all remember the 12 spies who went off into the land. We, glory in Caleb and Joshua, who had the courage to say, let's go on, God will help us to fight this battle. And we often forget the 10 others who brought back a bad report. But you'll discover in Numbers chapter 14 and verse 37, that the word of God says God was so displeased with the lack of faith of those 10 spies who disheartened the children of Israel that those ten spies died by way of a disease that God placed upon those ten spies. In Acts chapter 12, the Word of God tells us the story of Herod, who thought himself to be ever so spectacular a king. Some of us have traveled to Israel and have the privilege of standing in the Colosseum, which is at Philippi uh, by the sea, or Caesarea rather, by the sea. And we've seen the place where King Herod stood in his royal opulence, and God looked down and said, this man's pride has gone too far. He's pushing aside the glory of God. And the Word of God tells us in Acts chapter 12 and verse 23 that God sent upon Herod a disease whereby worms affected his bowels. It's a very disgusting thing to read about or to consider, but this we know, disease does come as a punishment sometimes to individuals and sometimes to nations. When the Philistines stole the Ark of the Covenant, one of my favorite children's stories, in 1 Samuel 15, you remember how the Philistines stole the Ark of the Covenant? The good old King James Version talks about the emirates which came upon the Philistines. And I know that we're working with those who are seventh grade and up here. And most seventh graders have not thought about emirates a whole lot in their life. And most adults these days don't understand the King James Version when it speaks of hemorrhoids in 1 Samuel 15, not emeralds but that's what happened to the Philistines who stole the Ark of the Covenant. God punished them with the disease. In fact, the Bible tells us in Exodus rather, chapter 32 that when the children of Israel worshipped in an inappropriate way, a God that they'd formed by fashioning together the gold of their earrings. You remember the story? How that Aaron fashioned together this God, and because of that, Israel worshiped the golden calf. And the word of God tells us there in the book of Exodus chapter 32 and verse 35 that God sent a plague upon them, upon a nation. Not just the Philistines, but the Israelites. In fact, it happened again in Numbers chapter 16 under the rebellion with Korah, Korah had rebelled against the leadership of Moses, and we read that God sent a plague upon them, and 14,000 of the people of Israel died of the plague that God sent upon them. Now listen, the God we worship this morning is the same, can you finish it with me? Yesterday, today, and forever. The God who displays power in Scripture to send disease upon individuals and upon nations has that same power today. When God spoke to the children of Israel with regard to the promised land that they were about to enjoy, he said this to them in Deuteronomy chapter 28. The Lord shall make the pestilence cleave unto thee if you are disobedient, God says, the Lord will make the pestilence cleave unto thee until he has consumed thee from off the land. The Lord shall smite thee with a, cons- a consumption and with fever and with inflammation and with extreme burning. God is warning the children of Israel if you're not obedient. There will be a consequence, and the consequence that God warns the children of Israel that they want to avoid is the consequence of disease. So when people ask me as a pastor or a student of God's Word, could the virus that is now spreading be, could it be part of a message from God huh, to us globally as well as nationally and individually? Well, absolutely. Absolutely. Because throughout the pages of God's Word, God has displayed His strength and His sovereignty even by sending disease as He sent mankind out from the Garden of Eden. The affliction that was placed upon mankind had global proportions. The whole world is groaning together. And part of the groaning as a consequence of sin is the suffering of disease. God can punish individuals and God can punish nations. And God can punish the world through disease. But the Bible also teaches us something about disease prevention. Did you know that? Disease may be prevented. Now, not all disease. In 2 Corinthians chapter 12, the Apostle Paul speaks of his own personal malady, and he says, three times I prayed that God would remove this from me, and God said, no, I'm going to let you suffer from this, Paul. And Paul said, most gladly, therefore, will I glory in my afflictions, that the power of God may rest upon me. God doesn't answer every prayer for healing, and there are those, of course, who walk among us, not necessarily in this service this morning, but certainly our country has been afflicted by so-called faith healers, religious charlatans who claim to have some power that they don't have. The Bible makes it clear it's not God's will that every disease be healed, Second Corinthians chapter 12. But when we study God's Word, we do discover that disease can be prevented in two ways. How's that? Well, the Bible teaches that disease can be prevented through isolation. Okay, you have your Bible, turn back to Leviticus chapter 13, Leviticus chapter 13, and when you come to Leviticus 13 and 14, you'll come to the laws with regard to leprosy. I won't go into all of them in detail, but you may want to read Leviticus 13 and 14 as you think about COVID and think about what's being recommended to us by medical professionals today And realize when you read Leviticus 13 and 14, you're reading the words of Moses through the inspiration of the Spirit of God, which were given to us before a microscope was ever developed, before modern immunotherapies were ever considered, before vaccinations were ever known. God speaks in Leviticus 13 and 14 about a very virulent problem with leprosy. God's heart in this passage is to keep the children of Israel from all dying because of leprosy. And so as you read Leviticus 13 and 14, you'll read how the Old Testament priest had to examine the person who may have contracted leprosy. They were to look at the scab, at the surface illness as it was being exposed on the skin. If the priest diagnose the person to be a leper you'll remember the consequence of leprosy the leper would be isolated they would be quarantined permanently removed from those who were healthy they would live in colonies they would have all of their clothing burned the furniture they sat upon burned god knew that this contagion could be contracted through surface um, through surface contact And so the clothing and the furniture and the houses often of the lepers would be destroyed. The lepers would be colonized, out and quarantined from the public. They would have to know which way the wind was blowing. They were to be so many paces away from everyone that they passed, they would call unclean. And I find this really interesting in Leviticus 13, verse 45. Leviticus 13, verse 45, And the leper in whom the plague is, his clothes will be rent, In other words, he always wears clothing that is torn, even though he's not going to a mall. That would be his fashion all the time. His clothes would be torn, his head would be bare. He'd put a covering upon his upper lip as he cried, unclean, unclean. How did he cover himself? Well, he wore a face mask. He covered his upper lip. God quarantined the lepers to protect the healthy, and he did it before anyone ever invented a microscope because our God understands how pathogens spread. We're living in a time right now when churches in many places can't assemble. I'm so thankful we can assemble, aren't you? And While we in the state of Indiana wrestle with the various things that are placed upon us, we who are believers need to always look through the lens of God's Word. And as we look through the lens of God's Word, we find it interesting God, before any person, any medical doctor, any scientist would ever diagnose the pathology of disease, God would recommend that for disease to be prevented, isolation is often necessary. In fact, as we go on, we discover that another way disease can be prevented is through intercession. Shall we pray then, Pastor? I mean, after all, you've said that it's not God's will that every disease be healed. That's correct, but it is God's will that God's people pray. Psalm 50 and verse 15 says, Call on the Lord in the day of trouble. Friend, we can ask the Lord for anything, at any time, anywhere, and we have access to the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, our Savior, to come into the Holy of Holies in heaven. And surely we as a church family ought to pray for those within our church family when they're smitten with COVID-19 or any other illness because God's Word tells us that God has the capacity to answer those prayers. But what about when disease comes upon our land. Many in this room have permanent prayer lists. Could I ask you to put on your permanent prayer list the request to pray that God would heal our land. You see, when Solomon dedicated the temple, he prayed a very specific prayer. Listen to his words in 2 Chronicles chapter 6. He prayed in 2 Chronicles 6, verse 28, Now God, if there be a dearth in the land, if there be a pestilence, Then what prayer, what supplication soever shall be made of any man or of all thy people Israel when everyone shall know his own sore and his own grief shall spread forth his hands in this house. Then God hear from heaven hear in thy dwelling place. Solomon was specifically asking the Lord to intervene if disease were to afflict Israel. Solomon believed that God could answer that prayer. And by the way, Many know 2 Chronicles 7 and verse 14. 2 Chronicles 7 and verse 14, which begins, If my people which are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sins, can you finish it, and will heal their land. Yes, intercession can cure disease. Take your Bibles and go to Matthew chapter 24. Matthew 24. I think it's well for us to be remembering that disease can be predicted in a fallen world, cursed by sin, surely disease can be predicted, but I want to go beyond that kind of prediction. I want to talk about biblical prophecy for a moment as we look through the lens of Scripture at the COVID-19 virus and what's happening around about us. There are two very interesting New Testament references that I want us to look at. First, we're looking in Matthew chapter 24, as we look in Matthew twenty four, we discover that there will be disease prior to the tribulation. Matthew chapter twenty-four, verse one And Jesus went out and departed from the temple, and his disciples came to him to show him the buildings of the temple. Jesus said to them, See ye not all these things, verily I send you there shall not be left here one stone upon another, there shall not that shall not be thrown down. That specific part of the prophecy has already been fulfilled. The children of Israel today know where this temple was as far as the temple mount, but they don't know where the temple was on the temple mount. There's a great debate about what part of the temple mount was occupied by the Holy of Holies in particular. Why is it that they're confused? Because every stone has been taken away, just like the Lord said. He said with regard to the temple on that mountain, not one stone would be there any longer. He sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came unto him privately, saying... Tell us when shall these things be and what shall be the sign of thy coming and of the end of the world? How will we know when your coming is drawing nigh? And Jesus answered and said to them, take heed that no one deceive you. And then he begins to give a whole series of descriptors of what it will be like before he comes. In fact, he provides six signs in this passage. We're just going to reflect on them rather quickly. Matthew 24 and verse 5, the first sign. He says, There will be many who say, I am Christ. There will be false Christs. People like David Koresh, Sun Young Moon. People who will come along and actually make claims to being Christ. People in America like to uh, look at shaker furniture and think about what a wonderful lifestyle perhaps the shakers lived. Way back in the 1800s, the shakers followed after an English mystic They called her sister Anne and came to call her mother Anne. They believed that she was the female incarnation of Christ. If you ever visit a shaker village, you're visiting a village where the people who gathered in those villages years ago signed a covenant to separate husbands and wives. They signed covenants that would cause them to be celibate, and they practiced a religion believing that every word that came from mother Anne was the word of God. Many will come, he says, in the last day, saying, I am Christ, and deceive many. You'll hear of wars and rumors of wars. And so the second sign is wars and rumors of wars that become cataclysmic. See that you be not troubled, for all these things must come to pass. Here comes the cataclysmic wars, for nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. And now we're talking about war on the scale of World War One and World War II. And he continues on in verse 7. Nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There'll be famines, like famines recently in Somalia and Ukraine, China, Ethiopia. There'll be famines. And then he says there'll be pestilences and earthquakes in diverse places. Notice verse 8. All these are the beginning of sorrows. That little phrase there in verse 8 is a very interesting phrase. It qualifies everything we've just read. Beginning of sorrows. It's it's literally the word that was used for labor pains. So he says, these are the labor pains that predict the birth of the end times. Now, if you know anything about labor pains, you know that labor pains increase in frequency and they increase in intensity. They come more rapidly and they come more severely. Even so, the Lord has laid out these six signs that we ought to look for as we look for the coming of the Lord. As we look for those signs, we expect them to come more rapidly and more frequently. And in the middle of those signs, verse 7 says, there'll be famines, pestilences. Well, what's that? Well, pestilences, of course, pestilences speak of illnesses, viruses, diseases. The Spanish influenza in 1918 was the greatest pestilence is pestilence rather the world has known in recent times of course before that you had the bubonic plague and black death and all kinds of things that have happened but isn't it interesting i need to go rapidly here that scientists today talk about super viruses if you've listened to any of this you realize that scientists today say the benefit of an antibiotic can also be a problem with an antibiotic but the more we use antibiotics the more strength viruses can get and so we put ourselves in peril of seeing in the world superviruses, superbugs super bugs that are resilient to any kind of treatment. A lot of people don't think this way, but we ought to. When we think about intensity and frequency, we ought to just think just for a moment of what has happened maybe in the last 40 years. You go back to 1981, HIV. The HIV virus has today killed 36 million people. When I was in Zambia, A number of years ago, they tell me that over half the population of Zambia has been found to be HIV positive, and Zambia is, by and large, an orphaned nation because of the loss of so many adults due to HIV. H1N1, that was in 2009. 600,000 people died of H1N1. Ebola, 2014, the death rate with Ebola was phenomenal. So we ask the question, as we look at COVID-19, could it be that we're seeing an increase Of deadly disease, are the diseases becoming more virulent? Is this the beginning of sorrows that's being spoken of in this passage? Take your Bibles and go to uh, Revelation chapter six. Revelation chapter six. Disease is predictable. Jesus said that there's going to be an increase, and isn't that remarkable in the midst of such scientific advancement? But when we turn to Revelation chapter six, we find there will be indeed disease during the tribulation period. As I turn to Revelation chapter 6, I come to the 8th verse. Revelation 6 and verse 8, it's the fourth horseman of the tribulational period. And I begin in verse 8, Revelation 6. And I looked, and behold, a pale horse, and his name that sat upon him was death. And hell followed after him, and power was given unto them over a fourth of the earth to kill with sword. We understand that. And isn't it interesting that with the recent rise of Isis their primary method of execution was to use the sword and behead the book of the revelation talks about beheading here in verse 8 however we read about the sword which speaks of armament and war they will kill this horseman this pale horseman kills with sword with hunger that's famine with death that's pestilence disease And the end of verse 8 is intriguing to me in particular. It says, and with the beast of the field. I don't know about you, but I don't worry about the beast of the earth too much. Now once in a while when a neighbor's dog comes roaring at me, I get a little bit nervous. But I don't expect to open my door and see a tiger or a lion. Or when we were in Zimbabwe years ago, we heard a munching down by Lake Kariba, the largest man-made lake in Africa. And we went down to explore it. about two o'clock in the morning. We took our flashlights and We watched the hippos as they were enjoying their breakfast of the marshes there by the lake. We came back after having taken some pictures. My son Chad was with me. And uh, we discovered the next morning when we woke up that more people die from being killed by hippos in Africa than any other mammal. We thought, man, we were about, from me to that microphone from those hippopotamuses taking pictures, really dumb Americans. (laughs) And even then, I didn't worry about the beast. But I should, because this passage says that a quarter of the world's population is going to die from the sword and hunger and death and the beast. That means of the 7 billion people on the planet today, if a quarter of them would die, 2.8 billion people will die during the tribulation period when this fourth horseman is unveiled. Something very interesting about that little phrase, the beasts. If you piece things together, they say that HIV came into humanity because of the contagion of a green monkey in Africa. Recently, we've had avian flu, we've had swine flu. Ebola, they tell us, comes from bats. They talk about the Wuhan China virus and they talk about a wet market and some people speculate, of course, of what different animal brought that to bear. And by the way, folks, this is not something new. If you study the history of America, you'll find yourself fascinated to discover that when the Europeans came to America and this continent knew so many Native American peoples, that by the time the Europeans started to settle in the West. Most of those Native American peoples were gone. They were gone because they didn't have any immunities toward the various diseases that the Europeans brought with them. Well, you say, well, why didn't the Native Americans have immunities to the, to the diseases that the Europeans brought with them? Because the Native Americans had no domesticated mammals. You say, what? Yeah, the only domesticated mammal that's common to the Americas is the llama, the llama doesn't do real well up in the Arizona deserts, all right? So all of the domesticated mammals that you see and appreciate, the cow, the pig, the donkey, the goat, the horse, they all came over with the Europeans. And the Europeans had immunities over all the centuries that they domesticated those mammals. And you know where all those mammals come from? They all come from the Fertile Crescent. By the way, if you want to read more on that, there's a book called, I think it's called Guns, Germs, and Steel, The History of the World. It's fascinating. But all the Native Americans who died, died because of exposure to the European diseases that they had no immunities toward. And so there was a vast death that came. It's not the first time that animals have brought death, folks. As we read in the book of the Revelation, God can bring through the animal kingdom both blessings and burdens. But for the Christian today, disease ought to be productive. Disease ought to be productive. Romans 8.28, after all, reminds us we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them that are called according to his purpose. God can strengthen our faith during times of illness. Psalm 91, I love Psalm 91, talks about the angels lifting us up, but it also says, there shall no evil befall thee, neither shall any plague come nigh thy dwelling. To trust in the Lord, and if the Lord does in his sovereign Power, decide that you or I would suffer from some disease. Then the Bible tells us in James chapter 1 count it all joy. That God has graced us with the blessing. So, Christian, if you're infected or isolated, understand you will never be isolated and be alone. Because Hebrews 13 and verse 5 says, He will never leave us and He will never forsake us. One of the saddest things that's happened with this. The challenge of COVID is hearing about people in hospitals who can't receive visitors. What a blessing to know that the Bible tells us in Isaiah 43, when we pass through the water, he'll be with us, and through the fire, he'll never forsake us. And so we, re- we discover an opportunity to strengthen our faith, and we ought to also discover an opportunity to enlarge our ministry. What do you mean, Pastor? I mean this. Philippians 1 gives to every one of us the right Christian worldview when it comes to disease. Verse 20, Christ shall be magnified in my body, whether by life or by death. Now, I'm not saying be foolhardy. But I love what Spurgeon said when he was 21 years of old, pastoring in 1854, cholera came to his community. And this is what Spurgeon said. He said, during the epidemic of cholera, though I had many engagements in the country, I gave them up that I might remain in London to visit the sick and the dying I felt it was my duty to be on the spot in such a time of disease and death and sorrow. Family after family summoned me to the bedside of the smitten. and Almost every day I was called to visit a grave. Knowing that he could contract the illness, he put ministry first. Now, I'm not saying, again, go out and be foolhardy. But I am saying we ought to all wrestle with the opportunities that disease brings for us to minister the word. After all, there were four friends who picked up their friend and carried him to see the Lord. That paralytic heard the Lord share the wonderful word, thy sins be forgiven thee. And I think right now God's given us an opportunity to pick up people in our neighborhoods and round about us and challenge them to know the Lord, the one who alone can forgive us of our sins. Jesus not only has the power to heal us of our diseases, but praise the Lord, he has the power to forgive us of our sins. I hope these thoughts will be helpful to you as you build a biblical worldview on how to be victorious over the virus. This podcast has been a ministry of Colonial Hills Baptist Church, a church home for all people. If what you've heard has been an encouragement to you, please subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or Google Podcasts. If you'd like to connect with Colonial or find more resources, you can find us online at colonialindy.org. You can also check us out on Facebook and Twitter. Thanks for joining us today, and we hope to see you next time on the Colonial Hills Podcast.